Hello there. Welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. And today we're going to be talking about S3E8 of Pretty Little Liars. Stolen Kisses. Yes. Parentheses, rapey. <laughs> rapey Kisses, yeah. yeah. Sorry for no episode last week. We were having some technical difficulties. Uh, Marco's a little under the weather tonight, but uh, I told him Spencer would do it. So you should get on, get on your horse and let's do this. Actually, what Benjamin Light said to me was, why are you challenging me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would Spencer let a little little illness slow her down? I don't think so. No, no, she wouldn't. She can't stop, she, won't stop. She'd just go get some cocaine from Ren. <laughs> and Ren would be like, Spencer, a medical doctor, what makes you think I would have hot street drugs? By that point, she's already injecting into her eyeball. <laughs> All right. Uh, Stolen Kisses, written by Joseph Doherty, one of the regular writers, directed by Zetna Fuentes, who I'd never heard of. Uh, so we start off in Emily's room, staring at the MossSugar.com website. The incredibly lame MossSugar.com website. God damn you. Yeah. Uh, Emily's on the phone, I guess, in the other room. Arya is, like, at the door, acting as lookout. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I realize if, if, uh, and when we get to Arya's section, you'll, you'll see. If you take every scene that she's in and assume that she's like a supervillain or, or like some sort of like evil criminal, mm-hmm. it, it works. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Um, I kept waiting for Commissioner Gordon to, to take Arya aside and her having to tell him that time to have to break his one rule. So yeah, Arya's on the lookout. Hannah is trying to convince Spencer that Mona is trying to help them. That's why she gave him the website. Spencer and doesn't trust Mona, of course. She's like, why would Mona want to help us? And Hannah says that Mona is afraid of something just like we were afraid of her. Mm-hmm. And Hannah is uh, still very concerned about the cops wanting her blood from that court order. Because it's like, I guess, just like the next day. Yeah, yeah. I think the previous episode ended on a Saturday. This is Sunday. So Ashley's probably still out of town. Um but Spencer reminds Hannah that her mom will handle this blood evidence situation. It's no big. Um, Emily returns to the room and says that she was on the phone with Nate fucking St. Germain. Mm-hmm. If only she actually said that. Yeah. Like, who is that, Em? <laughs> Nate fucking St. Germain. <laughs> and all the girls are like, Ugh. Yeah. Have any of the other liars actually met Nate? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure if they have. I don't think so. I don't believe so. I mean, they might have like left a scene as he was entering it or something mm. um but anyway yeah. she's she's going hiking with him to the old boathouse right which was maya's favorite place whatever never heard of it before but this was maya's favorite place no. um Spencer makes sure that emily is not going to tell him about the website and she won't because she doesn't want him to know how they found it yeah that's a conversation she doesn't want to have so yeah. as usual they will keep everyone else in the dark Yes, because that's what they're good at. Mm-hmm. Um, the girls get Emily's approval to try and break into the website. Um, I like how they're just like, what do you want us to do about this? And she's just kind of like, you know, no response. So they're like, all right, well, we're going to hack it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Emily, Emily, real quick, she goes over to like the laptop and she sits down and types something, like trying to guess what the password could be, you know, based on her expert knowledge of Maya. And it's not right. No, one try, no good, she says. I guess I don't know her as, know her as well as I thought I did. 
Like, like you were really going to guess her password on, like, the first try. Yeah, she slams the laptop down. Shut. I would have loved that that was, like, the last time the show ever re- referenced Maya. I really would have. <laughs> I mean, what did she type in? Like, Scissor Sister 69 or something? Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's Sunday. Shall we talk about Arya? I think it's time to talk about Arya, yes. Um, so we start off with Arya's in her, her bedroom. She's putting on some earrings when Byron comes in. Putting on some enormous earrings. <laughs> Is there any other kind of Arya? <laughs> it was, I just, I, I thought it was kind of funny just that we actually got to see her put them on. Yeah. You know, just see her like clutch, you know, like see how much of her hand she could fit around those massive earrings as she's putting them on. If you wait long enough, you'll even see Anakin Skywalker become Darth Vader. So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Things are a bit chilly between Arya and Byron. Um, Byron's going to one of Mike's games, and he's kind of hoping that Arya will be back by 6, so she can start the salad for dinner. Because mm-hmm. that's that's the part that takes the longest. The salad. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about her outfit? Please. This is a kind of a matching, I don't know if I'd call it blouse, but matching top and skirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a white ensemble with like black like artistic like sketch patterns of objects on it right all these weird little like sketch sketched objects like stars and compasses and like horseshoes and shit mm-hmm. and over it she's got like a high-waisted like gold belt on and lots of gold bracelets i really want to start like the rumor that like deciphering this outfit is the key to like figuring who killed out maya you know like deciphering like, every outfit yeah 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 like 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 the answers are all in Arya's bizarre wardrobe Arya Arya wears a lot of black and white in this episode maybe that means something maybe it doesn't maybe um Byron reveals that Meredith got a job at got the job at Rosewood High and then Byron you know very sheepishly is like are you going to be okay with that and Arya says Arya has the most supreme bitch face ever yeah. uh she's like well who's going to tell mom if she could have spit fire into his face, she would have. Mm-hmm. And Byron's like, well, I will. <laughs> um, and then she just kind of like storms off, you know? Yeah. So then uh, we cut to Ezra's place where Arya bursts a li- in. A little bit later, yeah. Yeah. Arya bursts in saying, okay, Marine, drop and give me 20. <laughs> and, and she's saying this as she like, comes in like holding uh, like a pastry box in hand and like shutting the door behind her and then finally looks up as she's saying this and that's not Ezra it's like some middle aged rich chick it's this very like posh looking woman this is uh, this is Mrs. Fitzgerald Ezra's mom yeah and we know this because Arya's like hello and the lady's like hello and then Ezra kind of like steps into the frame he's like Arya come meet my mother yeah I love that the mom is instantly like Ezra likes to truncate the family name I like that Arya brought pastry. Yeah. But Arya always brings shit to Ezra's mm-hmm. place. Um, I know. Including those giant cups of coffee, which are typically empty. They were never, they're not for Ezra and Arya. They're both for her. Mm-hmm. And she drank them on the way. Yeah. Um, Diane Fitzgerald is like, Ezra likes to truncate his name for some reason. I'm so happy to meet the mysterious girl with the lyrical name. And Arya's eyes kind of light up. She's like, mysterious. Hmm. This is like the greatest description of Arya of all time. <laughs> it's also the kindest. <laughs> yeah. And Miss Fitzgerald says, well, elusive. Yeah. I've just been keeping her to himself. Mm-hmm. That's because their relationship has been fairly illegal for a while. Um, so there's a benefit at the Osgood Museum, and Ezra's mom is running it. Um, and she couldn't pass up the chance to meet Arya. Yeah. 
Arya is just so fucking happy of herself here. She wants to make this good impression. The mom wants him to come to the benefit. And she Ezra's, invites him to like a reception at the museum or something like that. Yeah, and Ezra's like, yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't really need to do that. And Arya's like, yeah, we do. Well, Ezra pretty clearly is like not too happy, not too comfortable right now. Right. You right. know, and, and Ezra's like, well, we're not sure what we're doing. And Arya's just like, I'd love the Osgood Museum. Yeah. And Diane's like, the women have you outnumbered. Mm-hmm. Ezra's like, that's the story of my fucking life. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mom starts to leave, but as Arya stops her, and she's like, you know, we can we can do some catch up time, blah blah blah. And Ezra's just like, no, uh, we have that thing. We have that thing, and and Arya finally picks up. She's like, ah, yes, that thing. Yeah. And they shuffle her ass out the door. I did like uh, just before that, Ezra's mom's like, oh, I'm so glad I caught you. And just like the like everything she says has like two meanings. Uh, she's wonderful. She is like what I kind of imagine uh, Melissa could grow up to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's Melissa in 20 years. Yeah. So, but Arya is excellent as usual. Of Anytime you have like an awkward moment, she can make it more blatantly awkward. Um, <laughs> and I love that like Ezra's mom, she's full aware this is a bullshit excuse, but she goes anyways. Mm-hmm. And so once she's gone, Arya is just like Fitzgerald, huh? Ezra says, if you want to be a writer, you don't want an albatross like that around your neck. So she's like, well, what if your last name was Hemingway? And then he's like, then I would be Ezra Hem. <laughs> Every once in a while, Ezra gets a good line or two. You know, not often, but yeah. Which she then shits on him that that sounds like something you'd clear in your throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, you know, we don't have to go to this reception thing. And Ari's like, I totally want to. The Osgood and your mom. And Ezra's like, did you notice how she never sat down? Yeah. Yeah. And Arya's like, all I noticed was her diamonds. Cool. <laughs> yeah. In the divorce, the mom got the custody of the jewelry, we find out. What do you think that means exactly? Did you notice how she never sat down? Like, too good for the place? Perhaps. Yeah. I, 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 want, I guess that's how I read it. I want Ezra to drop that, like, the mom was there for, like, three hours and never sat down or <laughs> something like that. We glossed over it. Um, Mm-hmm. Let me scroll back up here. Okay, Marine, drop and give me twenty. What? What's going on in their relationship? Does she? That's like her greeting to Ezra. Kinky sex games. Like, does she show up and like order him to do shit? Like, it's just part of their weird like dominance game. I have two words for you. Writing mm-hmm. crop. Yeah, exactly. Um. So, you know. Ari asks kind of like, what does the mom know about them and about Ezra and Arya? And he says he knows or she knows that he loves Arya and that they didn't start seeing each other until after he left Rosewood High. And Arya's like, you lied to your mother? And Ezra's like, it was not the first time. This is another like Arya as a villain moment when she's just like, what have you told her? Yeah. Yeah. If she had a mustache, she would break her arm. Yeah. What, is, what does he know about? Or what does so, she know about us? At school the next day, in between classes, Arya is talking to Emily at the lockers. And Arya has this very, <laughs> very pensive look on her face. And she says, what should I wear? I need to look insanely sophisticated. I have to look insanely sophisticated for this. So Emily responds, I don't know, a Hello Kitty t-shirt? Burn, Emily. I feel like that, that's got to be like a joke among the writers to actually have Arya say that. <laughs> like Arya, the one who's like, thinks she's so sophisticated. This is a good this is a good episode for like potential meta statements about the girls' fashion. Um mm-hmm. especially Arya and Spencer. But uh 
Emily is like, well, what was she like? And Arya very dreamily says, diamonds and Chanel on a Sunday morning. And Emily's just like, so Ezra's rich then, huh? Yeah. That's cool. And Arya would probably respond to her, but she's too busy, you know, sploosh. Um, but Arya, she talks about how, like, it's, you know, there's nothing great about dating rich guys. It's because uh, she's done it before, and it's like a boy with a big allowance, you know. Right, right. Um, says it's like having a parent on a date with you. So it makes you wonder, who who were those guys? Noel? I guess Noel Khan. Wasn't there a comment that Noel Khan's dad like owns all the like, car washes in town or something or crazy like that? No, he owns half of Rhode Island. Half of Rhode Island, that's right. It's Noel Khan. Come on. <laughs> well, I feel like uh, the Hastings own the other half. Um, so after school, Ari and Spencer stop by Spencer's place. And uh, Ari asks if Spencer's mom can really handle this court order for Hannah. And Spencer's like, please, my mom picks like her teeth of court orders. I really feel like they're... Spencer's really setting up her mom as uh, some amazing lawyer here. I'm, see if this court order actually gets thrown out or not, you know? I'm very curious because it's the second time in the podcast, but it's the third time in the episode that Spencer says, don't worry, my mom can handle this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was mentioned at least, what, twice in the previous episode? Um, so then Spencer asks Arya what she's looking for clothes-wise because I believe that Emily turned uh, Arya onto Spencer for, for clothes advice. And Arya's like, you know, something classy, but not frumpy. And Spencer gives her the bitch look. She's just like, frumpy? And Arya's like, I mean, not that you wear anything frumpy, but, yeah, you know. And then they look down and they see that there's like a bag, like a, like a legal briefcase there on the ground. It's Veronica Hastings. And Spencer's and- immediately like, hmm. And Arya's like, that's a bad idea. Yeah. Spencer's like, Mom, are you here? No. Grabs bags for yes. trifling through it. Spencer seriously does like the three second rule where like mm-hmm. like she hasn't heard Veronica. Oh, that was like a one second rule. Well, she hasn't even heard Veronica respond by the time she ended up calling out her full name. So therefore, it's okay to go through this bag. Yeah, Spencer points out that it's okay. She can go through a bag without leaving a trace. <laughs> like this is a skill she practices. Just another of uh, Spencer Hastings' many skills is being just, able to rifle bags. I just see like uh, like a Saturday night for Spencer is like blindfolding herself. Like doing backflips across the yard to like then try to like pick the lock on the barn, you know, just for fun. Um, no, it's probably like a lot of her like watching YouTube videos of how to lock pick things, right? Right. Um, and then handcuffing herself to things and like trying, mm-hmm. to, you know. Um, so then they pull out the file on, on Garrett Reynolds and Arya starts like taking pictures on her phone of each page. Well, because Spencer orders her to, she's like, get your camera out, yeah. So for once, they're not just going to, like, steal the files. They just take pictures of them instead. So these girls, you know, there's room for development and growth in this show. Mm-hmm. You can't they're learning. Them. Yeah. Um, this so, is like the, I guess it's just like the case files or the police report or something. Yeah, or something like that. Later on, we're up in, is it Spencer's room? Yeah. Arya is reading, like, they've printed out the pictures they took, and Arya's reading them. And it's like a police report. It says, Maya wasn't strangled, her trachea was crushed by a... A metal piper bar, and then Spencer says, or a policeman's nightstick. <laughs> so Arya has to get help with the word lividity, <laughs> which I like because that's a very like Hannah moment for Arya. Of course, Spencer knows what what is and how to pronounce lividity. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Does she just have like a like a homicide word of the day calendar? 
I would love to think that she does. I would also like to think that like this is the uh, the quiz the Hastings parents gave their kids before they went to kindergarten. You know, mm-hmm. like can you spell blunt force trauma? Um, can you spell arbitrage? Yeah. So we find out that Maya was killed in Emily's backyard, and that yeah, the lividity, the lividity indicated that Maya was killed at the scene between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. And not only that, she was killed the same night that Garrett was arrested at Spencer's house. And I, I'm assuming that he was arrested late that night. I, from what I remember that episode, it was it was late at night. And so Spencer's like, well, that still gives him plenty of time to kill Maya before he showed up at my house. Right. Uh, they, the time of death is sometime between 10 a.m. and, and 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. Excuse mm-hmm. me. And uh, so Ma- Maya's, Maya's belongings were not at the scene. So somebody took them, most likely the killer. So, and because the tenants had moved out, but Emily and the family had yet to move back in, presumably Maya's body was just like laying there for a week. Yeah, I guess. Until they smelled it. Right? Yeah. Um, which makes me want to like flashback now. Like, was it just like Pam who like went out to like water the roses or whatever? And she was just like, Maya, what are you doing here? <laughs> Maya, Maya. And it took her like 20 minutes for her to realize that Maya was decaying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like she just like yells out the window, "Get the hell off my back lawn!" I want to make some kind of reference because I made too many Star Wars references so far that you know when Palpatine gets electrocuted by Mace Windu, that's that's Maya's face, um, yeah. decomposed. Yeah. <laughs> so um, then they start going through the prosecution's witness list, and there's a guy's name circled. His name is Bart Comstock. Bart which, Comstock. Which like, what kind of great like Western you know? <laughs> Well, next to his name's circled, and there's a note next to it that says "break him," and it falls apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, the dude's address is in Rosewood, and Arya suggests they go there. This is kind of a, a fascinating because Arya's like, "Let's go there." Mm-hmm. Spencer can't because she's meeting up with Caleb soon, um, which we'll find out why later. And Arya says, "Well, then she'll stop by on her way home." And I think everyone, including Spencer, needs to be like, "You will." Yeah. What exactly are you going to get accomplished, Arya? Yeah, exactly. What if there's a allow me like, to tell you. you- what if there's a counter? Will you be able to see over it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, cut so, to Arya. We're real quick. I love this because she's like, Arya's like, you're not going to tell Kayla about this, are you? And Spencer's like, no, it's strictly on a need to know basis. <laughs> yeah. So cut to Arya entering a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is apparently what the address led to is this movie it's theater. Old timey movie theater. It's the spot of the Rosewood Film Noir Festival. And Arya, because of course, cl- it fucking is. Yeah, Arya claims to be the guy there who's like dressed in like a shirt and tie. She claims to be there to pick up the festival schedule, mm-hmm. and then she starts making some kind of awkward chat with this guy about, you know, I never thought of a theater as having an address. You know, it's just like a place you go. You say you're going to the theater, mm-hmm. and the guy's like, Yeah, sure, like church. And then he he puts on his like work jacket, and it's got a name tag on it that reads Bart. And, and she just seriously like zones out on him, like she's like, just seen a ghost. And the guy is and he's just, just like, like, "I'm sorry." Like, are you having a seizure? <laughs> yeah. Is it, what's wrong? And she just, just like stares at him because obviously this is the witness, Bart Comstock, right? Who only would have this name in Rosewood. Yeah, it's it's days four and five of the film noir festival where they're playing the Maltese Falcon and Double Indemnity. So I'm sure that Ari and Ezra will come here later this week on a date. Those PLL writers, they do love their film noir. Yeah. Um, so moments later, Arya is talking to the guy at the counter. Um, he says that he remembered Maya and Emily, and that's why he recognized her the night she died. He says that he was up there in the marquee changing the bill, and he looked down the street, and he saw her get into Garrett Reynolds' cop car. Mm-hmm. 
And Bart's just like, man, you can't trust anybody these days. And Arya's like, yeah, that's for sure. So in this is another Arya as the villain moment when he's just like, you can't trust anyone these days. And Arya like narrows her eyes and, and she says like, yeah, that's for sure. Can you just imagine her like pulling out a gun and shooting him in the head at that point? That or I could see like Arya like turn around and like catch that pesky fly that's been buzzing around her and like eat it or something. Because um, he's just like, you can't trust anybody. And he like, he kind of look gives a significant look at her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, that's for sure. If she had just shot him in the head at that point, that would have been the greatest thing to ever happen on the show. He's just like, I'm going to ask you to leave now because mm-hmm. you're scaring the shit out of me. Yeah. Um. So later, <laughs> we're at the museum on the night of the benefit. Um. Arya's on the phone with Spencer. You know, she's getting the update. She's giving Spencer the update on Bart Comstock. Spencer's telling her about Maya's website. And Arya hangs up to go inside. Um, she's, well, she's basically communicated to Spencer that Bart's an eyewitness. She saw, uh, he saw Maya getting into Garrett's car, and so that's why Veronica wants to squash him. Right. Um, Arya is wearing this little white dress and black heels, and I thought she looked lovely. She looks very nice. It's a short white dress, black heels. There's a black ribbon and bow around her upper waist, mm-hmm. and she's got a little like black clutch purse and some um, black bracelets. She definitely looks sophisticated, but to me, it was almost kind of in a way that stands out like she doesn't fit in there. She looks a little too sophisticated. She looks like she should be going to like a, perhaps a a brunch, maybe. Could you make this the looks argument, like a daytime outfit, not a nighttime outfit, I guess is what I'd say. Could you make the argument that perhaps she should have wore something more frumpy? Uh, what as as to where this the scene's going you mean yeah yeah just to fit in into this this locale i i maybe yeah i mean she's putting her best foot forward i can't you can't really blame her oh yeah there's always a for effort with mm-hmm. uh, bavaria um so she stops and she looks at this like francis springer advertisement and ezra pops up and says you know it's not too late for them to bounce and find a mini golf course <laughs> of course he wants to go mini golfing with his high school girlfriend yeah um, and Arya realizes that Ezra is old money, like the. Well, because she's read, she's reading the names of the benefactors, and Ezra's like, "Yep, my grandparents." Yeah. And Arya just has this look on her face, like "Ching." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they hold hands, they walk to this museum, and Arya is just drinking it all in. Well, it's funny to watch Ezra kind of—he's almost dragging her around because she's like walking much slower, you know, yeah. and he's kind of having to like pause and stop. Because you yeah. can tell he just wants to like get in and out of this place, but that obviously is not going to happen. Yeah, like if Arya got her period right now and they had to leave, Ezra would be like, "Thank you, and thank she, you, God." So she's she's realizing that his family owns everything here, and she says, "Your family doesn't just have money; your family has money." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so Ezra says that he never really knew how to like let her in on these tiny details of his background. Yeah, he should have told her sooner. He just wasn't sure how. Um, and then she says, well, you were obviously cutting off more than just your name when you went from Fitzgerald to Fitz. Um, he, he nods and he talks about how his parents are the kind of people who are fine paying other people to clean up clean up after them. But uh, he is not fine with that. You know, he wants to be his own person. Well, know. no, it's it's even douchier than that. He's talking about all this fucking art mm-hmm. and all this fucking art was in his grandparents house where it was only seen by the people paid to clean up after them. And that's what the family was okay with. But Ezra was not okay with that because, you know, he's a patron of the goddamn arts. Um, and so he tells her, you know, I wasn't keeping you away from my family. I was keeping my family away from you. Well, he tells her that because she was like, oh, I just assumed that you never talked about your family because you didn't uh, want them knowing about me. Which is fair. 
yeah. in high school. And he's like, yeah, I wasn't keeping you away from my family. I was keeping them away from you. And then he says, are you angry? Mm. And it's just a fascinating look passes over Arya's face. She's kind of not quite frowning, but just kind of wondering, like, am I angry? And finally she says, no, I don't think so. But you can really see her, like, contemplating her level of trust with Arya right here. Or with uh, Ezra right here. Right, right. Well, I think Ezra's probably, like, like dreading the ellipses in that statement. Or he's just like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, I'm going to go home to the riding crop again. Yeah. She says, um, no, I don't think so. But I think you owe me something for all the ramen noodles. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, they start to kiss and cut to Diane, like, watching them from across the room, kind of eyes narrowing. She's clearly disappointed, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so later... Arya is looking at some art on the wall, and she's drinking her drink from a straw. Like, well, she's drinking it through the the cocktail straw, like the little stir straw. You're not right. supposed to do that, Arya. Well, she's this is like further highlighting that she's very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and she looks over to Ezra, and he's giving her this look like "rescue me from this conversation I'm in," <laughs> and she gives him a look that's like "no, no, I'm fine." <laughs> exactly. She weighs him off like "no, I'm cool." Um, then Mrs. Fitzgerald walks up to Arya. Because Clearly, they should have worked out like a signal beforehand. Yeah, Arya's just going to yell "poodle" across the mm-hmm. room. Um, but Mrs. F walks up to Arya because she looks lonely. And Arya compliments her on the collection, and Ezra's mom, who is just like the queen of passive aggressiveness in the scene, is just like, "Well, I guess you certainly don't know that much about Ezra." Yeah, and Arya's like, well, you know, we're still learning about each other. Like Arya through this is trying to be gracious, you know. And the mom's just like, you know, the dedicated teacher, the struggling writer. You certainly fit into that world. You get to be the muse. Yeah, yeah. And they talk about her role in Ezra's life, and uh, then Mrs. Fitzgerald. Well, has- well and Arya's like, you know, because Diane's like, oh, you have a very important role in this, and Arya's like, I don't think I'm playing any kind of role. And then Diane starts asking, like, what her parents think. And, you know, didn't they get divorced recently? Yeah, it was recently. And it was actually as soon as he started seeing Ezra, right? Well, she she initially, Arya shows her weakness, the chink in her armor, because she initially says, "Um, my mom likes Ezra a lot more than my dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so so Arya finally begins to catch on. And she says, yes, questions like you already know the answers. Mm -hmm. And Diane's like, it's really very easy to find out what you need to know about people. Yeah. And um, Arya, Arya finally is just like, look, bitch, step off my family. Like, it's none of your business. Um, and so then Mrs. F points out the totality of what she knows, that Mike has an arrest record, that Arya has a romance going on with her former teacher, that Ella moved out because of Byron's infidelity, and that you can literally chart all the cracks and strains in their family. Um, so Arya tries to leave then, and Mrs. Gerald stops her, and she's like, Arya, you act as if I hurt your feelings. It was unintentional. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I was clear. I may not agree with the way Ezra lives his life, but I won't stand by and let you ruin it. Yeah, and Arya's like, she kind of very weakly is like, I love him. And Dan's just like, sure, whatever. You know, you're you're the reason he can't teach in high school. You're the reason he got fired from Hollis. I want to make sure you understand your own motives. Well, she says, you know, I'm sure you do. I'm sure it's all great big romance right now. But it's easy because you're, it's all in your terms. You get to decide what gets sacrificed in Ezra's life. I love that, that Diane Fitzgerald is basically written like to our podcast if we were recording when the show was actually airing originally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but so yeah, she's the one who made him possible in the state at Rosewood. She's the one who got him tossed out of Hollis. I mean, Mrs. Fitzgerald correctly fingers Arya here as an agent of chaos. <laughs> 
Yeah. And Arya's like, well, I don't have motives. And Diane's like, everyone has motives. Mm. And Arya's like, well, maybe, you know, people in your world do, but not mine. And then the, the shoe finally drops and Mrs. Fitzgerald is like, well, you know, there can be real world compensations for ending this. Mm-hmm. And Arya's just like, compensations? And she's like, ah, I finally got your attention. Yeah. And there's a good moment where Arya, she kind of like looks down at her drink. As though she's thinking about throwing it in Diane's face. You right. know, she's kind of like fingering the straw, like, and then she instead just turns away, dumps the drink in a plant, and like walks off. I would have loved that. I would have loved if Arya just like pushed over a sculpture. It would have been pretty awesome if she threw a drink in Diane's face. I yeah. guess she thought better of causing a scene. Because yeah. uh, I feel like under other circumstances, Arya might have done that. Like, you don't set to Arya like that. No, no. Arya goes for the shins. Um, yeah, so later, Ezra goes up to his mother at the benefit, and he immediately is just like, what did you say to Arya? Because, you know, I can't find her. And Mrs. Fitzgerald immediately comes back with, oh, is it past her bedtime? Yeah, she, she's playing it dumb. She's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's past her bedtime. And Ezra's like, this is why I want nothing to do with you. This right here. But yeah, then she's like, you know, I had a lovely chat with the girl. But, you know, maybe she just felt out of place. Like, she's not surrendering the digs at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tells her that, you know, she can endow whatever the fuck she wants, but there isn't a generous bone in her body. And then Ezra bounces. Yeah. Now, Ezra should have thrown the drink in her face. Yeah, he he could probably get away with it more than Arya could. Ezra, out. So, uh, back at home, Arya, she's still in her nice dress, but she's kind of slumped on the floor. Oh, we should mention that she'd styled her hair all to one side. So, it, was, it wasn't just a dress. It, she was clearly very made up. Yeah, she looked adorable. Yeah. Um, Byron comes in to check on her. And Arya instantly comes up to him with the, did I ruin Ezra's life? <laughs> Byron, silently, yes. <laughs> and and like, Arya's like, I mean, I know you think he's ruining mine, but am I ruining his? And Arya's just like, am I responsible? Am I just destroying everything I touch? And Byron's just <laughs> like, yes, yes. Byron's like, no, parentheses, yes. <laughs> A million times, yes. I have, I have literally a divorce settlement that says yes. <laughs> Um, and he says that, you know, no one can ever be harmed by having Arya in his life and they hug and that she couldn't hurt anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's true, but sure. I think Byron is like, he's hugging his daughter and he's thinking to himself, I need to stay over at Meredith's tonight because I'm terrified. Mm hmm. Um, he's probably just thinking like, I really hate being put in a position where I have to like comfort my daughter when it's about fucking Ezra. Yeah. Yeah. And how she destroyed my life. Yeah. Mm hmm. All right, and that's uh, about all of Arya's stuff. Arya, Arya meets the mom, and the mom is just as awful as you could possibly imagine. You know, yeah, and it's wonderful. she's like a rich, evil bitch who apparently wants to try to buy Arya off, and it's tremendous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So then there's Hannah. Hannah is at the brew meeting with Ren. Uh, we know this because in another scene she'll get a text from him. Right. That, so... That's not really important, but she got a text to meet with Ren, so she's meeting him at the brew. And he's like, I shouldn't be telling you this, but Mona is going to be moved. Uh, well, he, he he says to her, frankly, I shouldn't be telling you this because you're not immediate family. Like, parentheses, and because I'm the most unethical fucking doctor that there is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Details. Uh, uh, but they're, they're planning on moving Mona to a different facility because your doctors think she needs a more intensive treatment. Mm, uh, thinks, he thinks that they're worried more about liability than Mona's health. Right. Because they want her under high security. They think she's not taking her meds, but, but that she's been smuggling them out to a visitor. 
Yeah, they don't want to hire more security, um, mm-hmm. which is a fair criticism because last night, fucking Arian Han- or last episode, fucking Arian Hannah broke in to Radley like it was nothing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, really, not the greatest security. Yeah. So Mona's parents will go along with pretty much anything the board says, but uh, Hannah wants Ren to say in his expert opinion to the board that he thinks Mona will get the best possible treatment right here in Rosewood. And Ren's like, you know, my expert opinion may not mean much. These are the guys who write the textbooks after all. Well, and also, they're Mona's actual doctors. Right, right, right. And Hannah's just kind of like, make it happen. She's like, I don't care about books. Yeah. I just need you to make this happen. Oh, we should mention that Ren, he mentioned, he said Mona is surprisingly popular as far as, uh, you know, the possibility of somebody smuggling out her meds. Right, right. A lot of people apparently have been coming to visit Mona. And so, you know, he'll try, but he can't offer any promises. And Hannah's just like, oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to crush it. And he says, your confidence in me is bracing, potentially misplaced, but bracing. Yeah. That's my Ren accent. I'm working on it. It's not there it's, yet. But. It's getting better. Um, yeah. And then Hannah looks up and sees Caleb walking up the counter to get some coffee. And I literally wrote in my notes at this point, Caleb was wearing the nicest shirt that he's ever worn in his life. But his hair. Did you notice his same. hair? It's the same. No, it's it's like bed hair. Like, Oh, is it? What's going on there, Caleb? Like, get a brush or something. <laughs> like, it seriously looks like he just got out of bed. It's all, like, kind of wild. And uh, uh, something's going on with that hair. <laughs> and then he... he Hannah's walking up to talk to him, but then he like looks behind her and sees Ren and kind of gets the wrong idea and just like takes off. Well, the scene is excellent because Hannah gets up to talk to the Caleb, and first Ren looks back and sees Caleb and kind of scoffs, mm-hmm. and then Caleb sees Ren and kind of scoffs and looks to Hannah, but <laughs> Hannah has no time for a reaction, so Ren just or Caleb just leaves. Yeah, he just turns around and leaves. It's this great, just like wordless, like three way interchange uh, or exchange. Um, so then later at Radley. Hannah's there, and Ren comes up to her. He She's, says, like, waiting to hear how it went. Right. He says that it appears that you are more impressed with my opinion than the board. I couldn't say anything that changed their minds. Um, and so she asks, well, when does Mona leave? And he says, it's really just a matter of filling out paperwork now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, board's not going to change their minds. Uh, so Ren says, you know, maybe you should be the one talking to the doctors about Mona, not me. Because you're the one who's been spending so much time with her. Uh, and so now there's another hearing an oh, before hearing. we get to that and it's like well i don't i don't know i don't even know what i'd say i'm not sure if i can do that and ren just ba- says well you know if not then uh you better be ready to say goodbye to mona so yeah obviously hannah's hannah's gonna give it a shot so yeah cut to well, she, hannah she like addressing the board she says that she can't talk to them the way she talks to ren but mm-hmm. do you get the impression that maybe like there was no initial board hearing like this is just like ren's play to like hit on a teenage girl you never know with Ren how much yeah. of this was serious, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, at the advocacy board, Hannah is reading a pretty poorly prepared statement, and she's reading it kind of a stiff manner, and they're very... Well, it's a very kind of official-sounding, like, medical, yeah. medically correct terminology about, like, Mona and her peer group and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's it's not obviously not going well. She's kind of fumbling through it with her, like, little note cards. And so, finally, she she just drops it and gets real. She gets hand on them. Yeah. Yeah, she says, she, you know, she I, slaps the sunglasses. Yeah. Off. yeah, I understand how angry Mona was, or I think I do, you know, and that her and Mona started out in the same place, and they were so close to being those girls who watched purses at the dance, you know, for other people. And Mona made sure they didn't disappear at school, and she owes her for that. Yeah, and Hannah knows that it could be her in Radley, and if it was, Mona would be out here fighting for her. 
she doesn't know anyone at Saratoga, the place they want to send her, and there will be no one there to hold her hand. Right. And then she caps it off with, uh, no one will care a brown's rat's ass for her at Saratoga, so please. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the look on Ren's face is like, my goodness. <laughs> it's like, well, uh, that was a bit unorthodox. What a surprisingly r- effective. What a ribald statement, Hannah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's funny that she says at one point, Mona and I are very, very close. We're almost like the same person. <laughs> and that, uh, she points out Mona did some terrible things, some of them even to her, and she's her best friend. Yeah. So she gives her impassioned plea. And later on, Ren meets up with Hannah again and says that the board has decided, based on Hannah's testimony, not to move Mona for now. Right. And Hannah is so happy, she leans in and kisses Ren. And he comes in his pants. Yeah. And he's like, I thought you'd be pleased. And Hannah's like, I am. Yeah. And he's like, you're welcome. Uh, And then before it can really go any further, like, it's almost like Hannah just, like, kissed him just, I don't know, it's like a, a sign of not affection, but just friendship or something, you know? It's like, a, it wasn't exactly a romantic kiss. No, it's just like an excitement in the heat of the moment, I think. Yeah. And um, so, but then she gets a text from Spencer. It says, have you heard from M? Question mark. You need to see something now. So, Ren gets cock-blocked by Spencer. Mm-hmm. Or at least in his mind. <laughs> Bollocks. <laughs> so, you know, now talking about Emily, cut to early Sunday morning again, or sometimes Sunday morning. We're at the old boathouse. Now, if this boathouse seems familiar to you, it's because this, like, location is the same location they use whenever there's water on the show. Mm. Um, except for the pool, obviously. But whenever there's, like, a standing body, body of water, they go to this same location. Okay. And Emily's there with Nate, and she's telling Nate the shit she used to do with Maya. She's telling, like, the lamest story ever about, like, making origami boats with candles in them. There's, like, sail on this lake. or It's so dumb. Yeah, like they're at some kind of Brazilian festival of fucking lights or something. And Nate laughs and says that he used to do that Maya too, and that they would do fire or water. Oh no, no, he says they they would do it with paper balloons. And he says air, water, fire. Maya liked all the elements. And then I wrote in my notes, including Earth, because she's dead in the ground now. Nah. Yeah. Because yeah, Maya was fucking Captain Planet. Yeah. Um. So then Nate's just like, your friend Jenna stood me up. Should we mention that Emily has some sort of like fedora kind of hat on right now? It's like she kind of stole uh, Diane Keaton's wardrobe from a few episodes earlier. So the hat, not the wardrobe. Uh, yeah, definitely the hat. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, I, I just wonder, like, Shay Mitchell, when she goes on the set each day for each episode, is she just like, Emily wants to try something? Well, you know, there, I don't know how much of those uh, that PLL annotation Tumblr you read. But there's a lot of jokes on that Tumblr about uh, like the lesbians wearing hats. That's like a running joke. And, and it's lesbians who run it, so it's all in good fun. Um, but I can't stop noticing every time somebody wears like a, a hat right now, like Jenna or Emily. Hmm. Um, yeah, so Nate gave Jenna a day to call and explain. And when she did, he called her. She told him the situation came up. And that she basically thought she was through with someone, but she wasn't. Let me tell you how lame this whole scene is. My notes just say... Emily sees Maya all the time, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Nate eventually... So Emily basically plays it cool when Nate's telling her about how Jenna's well, about. She's just like, hmm. There's some interesting stuff here as I kind of set this scene. Because Nate's looking around this locale. And mind you, it's it's daytime now. Mm-hmm. But he asked Emily if she was ever scared to come out here at night. Based on yeah, the story she just told. Yeah, scared to come out here at night. And she was like, no, I, was, I wasn't alone. I was with that bitch, Maya. Um, and so he's just like, I can't understand how somebody would murder someone. And then I saw Garrett, and I knew that I could kill that guy. I could kill him with his bare hands. 
And Emily's just like, don't talk like that. Not here. You know? not, not in this sacred temple of Maya. Mm-hmm. Not in Maya's sacred place. Yeah. yeah. He, I he could basically, kill that guy. Yeah. He apologizes and says he doesn't want Emily to be scared of him. Yeah. He's like, I didn't mean to scare you. I wouldn't want you to be afraid of me. Uh, just the, the delivery of that, though. And he's just like, I, I d- never understood how he could do it, how he could kill someone. And then I saw Garrett in the hospital and thought, yeah, I could kill that guy. Kill him with my bare hands. Yeah. Nate St. Germain, you're pretty fucking creepy. Yeah, yeah. And this is a guy who is still making a play for Emily, and this is one of his tactics. Yeah. Like, maybe he thinks he'll it's like he just, with his murder boner? Oh, it's like he just, like, went to his, like, notepad and, like, crossed out, like, you know, uh, revenge fantasy. Like, my, Emily's not into that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Back to the uh, drawing board. Mm-hmm. I have to um, think of another tactic. So Emily goes to visit Paige, who I guess is like working in her backyard or something. She's got like her bike upside down in the yard. Um, yeah, we we see Paige's house. I'm not sure if we've seen it before, but Paige has like a pool, like a big lap pool. <clears throat> Paige's parents aren't there. They're in Scranton, like buying paper or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Paige has missed a few days of school and, you know, she felt pretty bad for a while there, but she's better now. So Emily wants to explain herself because, you know, Paige got sick that night at the party because she drank out of her flask. Well, this whole scene, Emily's just like, we need to talk about it. And Paige is like, no, it's cool. And Emily's like, no, seriously, I won't explain about the flask. And Paige is like, no, I could just forget it. You know, like, yeah, it's both of them are acting a, a little strange. Well, it's kind of funny, too, is that at the start of it, though, like Emily's like, come with me somewhere to discuss this. Mm-hmm. And like as opposed to just talking about it right here where Paige might yeah. be pissed. And Paige is just like, no, thank you. And so Emily's like, tomorrow, after school then. And Paige is like, oh, okay. Yeah, Paige is like, okay, fine. We'll even talk after school. This is probably the only time, the first and only time that I feel sympathy for Paige. I almost feel sympathetic to Paige in this episode. Almost. Yeah, it, it'll evaporate. Yeah. You know, with each so, season. cut to the next day after school and Emily and Paige are like running through the woods together. They're you know, out jogging. This is girl time for them. Mm-hmm. And Emily finally asks Paige to stop and kind of like launches into this whole confession about how the, you know, the drug was in the flask and Paige basically like kind of gathered that, you know, she's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and she tell Emily tells Paige that she didn't know the drug was in it. And Paige says, but somebody did that to you. Yeah. And Emily doesn't know who. Um, and Paige asks, you know, when it happened to Emily and Emily basically very, says, very pointedly said, wants to know when it happened. Well, it happened that night, the night that someone dug up Allison's grave and she drank from the flask and lost time. She's trying to find out what happened to her. And Paige looking very guilty now says that Emily was with her. Yeah. Hmm. It's, uh, it's kind of funny is that in this, the start of the scene, like Emily can't keep off of Paige, like physically, like mm-hmm. running. Like she's super winded compared to Paige, who could keep going the run the run away from this uh, confrontation. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So later we're out in the woods still. Paige is giving Emily an account of that night from her perspective, and it was about 11 p.m. Paige's family was out, which apparently they always are. Um, Everybody's family is always out on this show, unless they're being creepy. Um. Yeah. So she heard a noise, and there was drunken Emily like sitting on her front steps. Yeah, she could tell she was drunk. Paige took her inside, and uh, oh god, the the dialogue here. I, I was, do you have it? I didn't. I didn't write I, it down. Yeah. I just summarized. Paige is like Emily says she can't remember any of it. Paige is like, I was holding you up, and then I wasn't holding you up. You were holding me, 
and then you kiss me. And then we look on Emmy's face is just like, "Who boy, here I go again." Um, well, and, and Paige feels very guilty about this because um, she's like, "Maybe you thought I was someone else, and I knew that, but I didn't stop you. I don't want to stop you. It's like a dream." And Emmy's like, "Well, then what happened?" And Paige is like, "The dream ended." Mm-hmm. And like a dream, there's a monster at the end, and it's Paige. Um, so Paige went in the kitchen to get Emily a glass of water that night. When she came back, Emily was gone. Um, so Paige, we find out, was the person who tried to call Emily around eleven that night. Mm-hmm. Um, Paige, on the good, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Paige could tell later when she saw Emily at school that she didn't remember. And then later, when you know Paige put two and two together about the flask, she felt worse than awful because yeah. she realized. Well, if we can, you know, like I said, you can almost feel sorry for Paige here because if you look at it from her perspective. Emily showed up obviously drunk and Paige was kind of like, I mean, it's, she's maybe a little bit taking advantage of, but at the same time, it's like Emily's not pushing her away. So they kind of make out a little and like, that's totally what Paige wanted to happen. But then Emily disappears and the next time she sees Emily at school, Emily is acting like nothing happened. In that scene and that night, which we don't see, we just hear about here. Mm -hmm. They're kind of taking advantage of each other. Yeah. But. On top of it, at Jenna's party, Paige was taken advantage of again, and it was confirmed for her later just how used she was that night. So, yeah, I mean, like, there's a wormhole of events here that almost make me feel bad for Paige. Well, Paige, it, it Paige takes, feels super gross because she was, you know, taking advantage of someone who was roofied. Yeah. Uh, but also just, I think she feels awful just personally because she kind of thought she had like a romantic moment with somebody that right. she really wanted to happen. And then the next time she saw them, they apparently didn't remember it at all. Like it probably took her a while to really figure out, okay, she doesn't remember and not just like she's pretending it didn't happen, you know? Right. Right. And and then it was, you know, it's like you had this special moment, something that they're just completely not aware of. Right. Um, so later that night, Emily's at that old boathouse. She's looking at the water she oh, we, oh, we should mention that, that the way that scene ends is that Paige is like, I'm so sorry, you know, and she kind of tries to grab Emily's hand and Emily just kind of turns away like she's, you know, she, she can't deal right now. Got to go somewhere else and think. So she goes to the lake house. PLL is very good about uh, one, like when two characters enter a scene, one has been wronged and is looking for retribution and it usually flips the tables by the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So later that night, Emily's at the old boathouse. She's like looking out at the water, you know, just reflecting. And uh, she hears a noise, and she sees, like, a shadow approaching from inside the boathouse. Gasp. It's Nate St. fucking Germain. Yeah, it's Nate. Boo. He's like, uh, I, I want to see what it was like at night. And she's like, oh, I wasn't expecting anyone here. You know, like, obviously he wasn't invited. Uh, yeah. But he just showed up on his own because he wanted to see what this place looked like at night. And he says he realizes that yesterday is the first day Emily was here since Maya died, and he's sorry for upsetting her in the sacred Maya place. He's basically looking for some kind of connection here, and Emily's on a completely different page. Yeah, it's funny because pun Emily's in- thinking about something totally different. She's on a different page altogether, pun intended. She's asking, you know, <laughs> is it possible to do something without knowing you're doing it or why you're doing it? And Nate's just like, I think we're always are. We always are who we are, you know? And she's and like, well, Emily's suppose like, you're drunk. Yeah, what if you were drunk? And then his his fucking wisdom is right out of the Maya handbook of people drink to cover up who they are. It's like when you do something in a dream and it frightens you because you didn't think it was who you are, but it's still you. Even in the dream, it's still you. Yeah, and Emily's just like, hmm. Okay. There's there's going to be some very interesting like cross pollination of like the things that Nate and Paige talk about. 
and like how like they kind of are the same person in some ways, like coming from the same perspectives, even though they're they're radically different. Yeah. Well, the the gist of what he's saying is like if you did something when you're drunk, it's something you wanted to do. You know, it's not like it's not like you would have never done it otherwise. Right. Yeah. Right. Which I don't know what like hopeful signs he's reading into that for his you know yeah, his, like, really. burgeoning relationship with Emily, but she's just like, thank you for validating my my feelings for Paige. Oh, and, and then he, and then he like he does the whole like, oh, you're cold. Let me give you my jacket thing. And but she's it's like, like, they're totally not having the moment he thinks they're having. Well, I, I think in her mind, she's like, oh, that's cool. I'm I'm used to the patriarchy doing shit like this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so later that night, Emily goes to visit Paige, who's like standing over her pool, presumably in her backyard there. And it's one of those night shots where the pool's all lit up in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Paige says that she's sorry for what happened that night. And but Emily, then Emily's just like, no, no, it's all my fault. We're just going to sit here and apologize to each other for a while. Yeah, Paige says that if she ever finds out who did that to Emily's flash, she'll kill them. And Emily's just like, bitch, please. Well, she, of, well it's, a good, it's a good line. And she says, you know, if I ever find out who put that stuff in your flask, I'll kill them. I swear I'll, I'll, swear I'll kill them. And Emily says, don't say that. And Paige says, I mean it. And Emily says, I don't want you to say it. I don't want you to mean it. Yeah. Because Emily's like really over people like swearing revenge for her. You know? Right, right. Yeah. And um, Emily's like, uh, what I want you to do is listen. You know, I haven't been in with anyone since Maya. And I haven't really thought about it, or so I assume. But, you know, that night I went to your place and I was looking for someone and I came here. Yeah. And they start kissing. Well, and there's a little page kind of, you know, is blushing at this point. And she tries to look away and Emily's just like, don't look away. And then, then they make out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess if you, you know, you can envision this as Paige is always the, the girl who had like the crush on the hot chick. You know, and didn't think it was ever going to happen, and now it is. So, yeah, go yeah. page. And Emily's about to pull out the riding crop. Um, mm. so then we have Spencer. Spencer mm. at Spencer's place. Spencer always is, saving the best for last. Yeah, Spencer's working on that password to Maya's website while Hannah watches, very frustrated. And I love Spencer's just like none of the usual workarounds are working. Well, Spencer's technique is basically just trying a password, writing it down to say yeah. like, no, this didn't work, and then trying another one. Yeah, you're like I, mean, I, I can imagine that notebook says like one two three four five mm-hmm. password password Maya, yeah. Uh, and Hannah's getting impatient because uh, obviously she has like a lot invested in this new clue they have because she's still obsessed with that court order. Right. And Spencer's like, it's not a pinata. I can't just whack at it with a stick. Spencer's basically like, I need help. <clears throat> Caleb, help. Well, she's basically like, okay, I need help. And they just kind of look at each other, and Hannah's just like, ah, right. <laughs> What's, it's kind of funny is that you kind of got the impression that like Hannah was ready to suggest Caleb like 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. She just didn't want to. And so Spencer's like, I heard Caleb's back in town. And Hannah's like, I haven't talked to him, but yeah, he is. Right. Um, and Spencer's like, I could just ask him for some tips. He doesn't need to know what it's for. And Hannah's basically like, whatever. At least one of us will be in, be able to be in the same room with him. And then Hannah gets that text from Ren that says we need to talk. And then, and then Toby bursts in and just screams, do you know where he is? And Hannah's like, hi, Toby. And he's just like, hard look at Hannah, you know, like, hey, be, be cool, Toby. Hannah didn't do shit to you. And Spencer's just like, where, who is? And Toby's like, Jason. And then Spencer kind of turns to Hannah. And I almost kind of think, like, Spencer didn't need to say anything to Hannah. Because Hannah could have just been very well like, so I'll go upstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Spencer just, like, orders Hannah upstairs. Why don't yeah. you go upstairs? Uh, Toby's pissed. Yeah, I got I got all the dialogue here. Or most of it, anyway. But 
uh, Toby, he was just at Jason's place, and uh, Jason wasn't there. His car wasn't there. So obviously, he's you know most likely out across state line getting his car repaired. And Spencer, her reaction is like, yeah, getting his car repaired with cash. And Spencer's reaction is basically like, well, yeah, obviously, you know. <laughs> Like, what did you think he was going to do? I want Spencer to be like, well, who do you think told him to do that? Yeah, really. Spencer's like, what What? What were you expecting to happen? Yeah, He's really. going to turn himself in or something? No. Uh, so Toby's getting all pissy about being involved in this. And Spencer's just like, look, I'm protecting my brother. I had to. Yeah. And then she tries to check a text on her phone. And Toby grabs it and says, before you talk to him, you're going to listen to me. And here I got this. Toby's, I don't know if you necessarily see this. It's great dialogue. But... um. This is where Toby's coming from. He says, I'm not going to ask you to explain anything because you won't. You'll just say that I have to trust you. Mona's locked up. Garrett is locked up. But you still jump every time your phone rings. Yeah, I know. It's complicated. So I'll make it easy for you. I'll find out for myself. Yeah. Toby, out. Yeah. He throws her phone on the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a point there when he grabs the phone away from her where Spencer looks infuriated. Mm-hmm. But he's got her attention. Yeah, really. And he's got her. He took her phone. Yeah, that I don't think a mortal man can sustain for very long. That's why he ran away at the end of the scene. Yeah, yeah, I think he had to because her eyes would have burned him apart. He probably like got outside and like ducked against a wall and just like started breathing heavily. I'm like, holy shit, (laughs) holy shit. And then we pan down to see that Toby's pissed his pants. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He's just like, that's what I came over here to do. Fuck. Yeah, because he was initially here to take a shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then Hannah comes downstairs and she's just like awkward well they just share this look that says like oh yes our relationships are imploding because of a oh well yeah lol um so in the school parking lot the next day spencer comes up upon caleb as he's getting out of his nice new oh i have so many things to say about the the spencer caleb scenes in this episode do it so she's she's greeting caleb he's getting out of his nice mercedes and she's just like wow new car and he's just like yeah it's my mom she doesn't use it much since the accident and He's apparently driven all the way across country in it to come back to this high school that he frequents occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a lot of thinking to do in driving. Yeah, cars. had a lot of thinking to do. He's wearing some nice clothes now, mm-hmm. like black jeans, uh, black t-shirt with like a button-up shirt over it. And Spencer says, "I have this abstract computer question. <laughs> What's the best way to get around a tough password?" Yeah, and Caleb's basically like, "That's like the exact opposite of abstract." That's as abstract as a brick wall, he tells mm-hmm. her. Yeah. And Spencer's like, yeah, okay. And so uh, she, she needs help getting in, getting onto this website. And he's like, who's? Mm-hmm. So cut to later, Spencer's finished telling him who's. And she's like, we're not sure if it's real, uh, but it might be able to help Hannah. Or it could just be fake and like another cruel joke on Emily. Yeah. Spencer knows that the liars have asked Caleb to do some crazy shit before. So she'll understand if he doesn't want to do this one. And he's just like, I'll do it. No matter what yeah. happened, Hannah's important to him. But, uh, you know, Caleb wants a chance to crush the yeah, Mona if Monster. If I have a chance to crush the Mona Monster, I'm in. Yeah. I love how with Caleb, it's always about Mona. Yeah. You know, he always assumes Mona's behind everything, so. Because she's the villain. Yeah. They kissed, yeah. Um, so they make plans to meet up after school. Caleb leaves. And then Spencer gets a text from A. Mona's almost gone, and Hannah's next. Hmm. So meet up in the hallway at school, all four of the liars and Spencer's telling them about the A text and Hannah's, uh, she's Hannah then fills them in on Mona being moved away from Radley. And they're like, how do you know that? And she's like, Ren told me. 
And Spencer's just like, Ren? Mm-hmm. She's oh. like, oh? <laughs> um, yeah, so... Oh, and we also, Hannah passes on the information that Mona has been passing meds to a visitor. And Ellie's just like, Lucas. Yeah. They ponder if, like, Lucas is the one and that that's, you know, how the pills ended up in his body. Right, at this point, like, if that's true, like, it's almost as though Lucas... He was, like, the agent that caused uh, Emily and Paige to, like, date-rape each other, you know? Yeah, yeah. In a manner of speaking, not literally. Yeah, and I'm sure Lucas appreciates that. Fucking. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hannah, Hannah's still obsessing about that blood test, and Spencer's just like, my mom is on it. She's so fucking on it. You have nothing to worry about at all. Yeah, yeah. She's like, my, my mom will basically go back in time and make sure that you never had blood to be mm-hmm. tested. It's all good. Yeah, so in Spencer's living room, she's... On the couch with Caleb, like watching him, you know, work on his laptop. This is after Arya's left. Um, Spencer says that she's she's usually pretty good about figuring out people's passwords, and Caleb's just like, yeah, that's because most folks don't want good passwords. They want passwords they can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, passwords keep you from going through the front door, but Caleb is more of a an open window bro. He's the kind of guy who goes in the window, and Spencer's just like like a burglar. And then Spencer comments on his, his new computer, which it looks like a fancy MacBook Pro that has a sticker over it. Yeah. Um, and she's just like, oh, you know, where'd this come from? And he's like, oh, my folks, you know, my mom bought it. And they're like the Spencer Caleb stuff here. Mm-hmm. Like, what exactly is going on in this episode? I, I kind of wonder if th- this was one of those chemistry test episodes. Right, right. Like, if they were thinking, like, what if we put Hannah with Ren and Caleb with Spencer or something like that? Right. Because, like, Spencer and Caleb have a lot of scenes, and, and Spencer is just, like, new car, new computer, you know, that, that you got that expensive sweater there, and she's basically like, welcome to the Blue Blood Society. Yeah. And well, Caleb's just like, what? My mom buys me things. Like, what do you want me to admit? Jeez, lay off. Yeah. Well, and he's so much more than her current shitty carpenter boyfriend. Yeah, she could use an upgrade. And Spencer's oh. just like, that sweater's like 400, you know, that's $400 a sweater you got there. And he's like, he's kind of surprised and he looks at it and he's like, I guess I should wash it on gentle then. And she's like, no, dry clean it. Yeah. Um, this is kind of funny. Like, if you think about like the, la- the chemistry lab that the writers and producers get into, mm-hmm. where they're just kind of like, on the plus side, Tyler Blackburn and Troy and Belisario have chemistry with everyone. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the problem. It's like, yes, of course they have chemistry together. Like, these two actors, like, they tend to have good chemistry with anyone on the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, yeah, because Spencer's just like, no, you gotta dry clean that shit, you know? And Caleb's like, I've never really been a dry cleaning guy. And Spencer's just like, that was then, and this is now. And like, like a little, like, arm touch uh, yeah. on Spencer on Caleb's arm there. Like, there, she's like, suddenly, like, he's rich and she is digging him. She's like, I got two words for you, Caleb. Riding crop. I really wanted there to be a whole montage of Spencer teaching Caleb like how to function in high society, like the uh, the teacup with the pinky out. That the uh, like which, she's which fork to use? she's putting a she's putting a book on top of Caleb's head and making him yes. walk across the room. She's, yes. Yeah, she's going over the silverware with him and like how to tie like a double Windsor and stuff like that. Like uh, he's got the book on top of the head, like he's tying the Windsor, and he's like, "Do you have any mustard?" And she slaps him mm-hmm. until he says, "Great Poupon." Yeah. And then finally, when she's all done and he looks like super rich and poncy, she suddenly realizes she's not interested anymore. Can you just see like 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 Rich Caleb like a monocle? Oh yeah, <laughs> and like a vest. But the monocle, like whenever you look at it, it's got like like weird little digital things on it because he's full on C- cyber. Caleb in like a white tie event, you know? Yes. Outfit. 
Yes. Um, so but she just seems so fucking jazz that he's like rich now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like it's like she really like saw him in a different way. Like, ooh, nice sweater. You're so drastically too good for Hannah now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So later, Spencer is you know they're still together in her place. She's slamming pretzels, and uh, Caleb's like, "Put down the fucking pretzels! I got into the site." Yeah. And cross, it, cross your fingers, and he does some hacker shit, and they're in. It's basically a site full of Maya's bullshit videos. Well, it starts out with just one really lame video of Maya reading some bullshit poetry or something like that. Yeah. And then the, the video stops and it like kind of like zooms out and there's just all these like thumbnails of different videos. And Spencer hugs Caleb. She's very happy. You know, they, they cracked it. They got in and Maya is saying something about how this is a site where I put the things to keep from losing them because I'm always losing things. Whatever. Like this and is like the, the worst website like in the history of the Internet. Maya's website page is hideous. And it says, if you're looking at me, beware, this site is cursed, which uh, never been a truer statement. Also, I want to point out that it's called MySpace. Once is you it? Log in. Yeah, it's <laughs> MySpace. It's this disgusting amalgamation of purple and comic sans. Well, never mind the design of this website page. Uh, the content is just brutal. Yeah. It's just like these videos of Maya being as lame as humanly possible. Yeah, she's basically being like Lonely Girl 15 here. Mm-hmm. It's worse than any Tumblr site you could ever find, I think. Right, right. Um, so this is then where we get the the conversation on the phone of Arya and Spencer. Well, it should be mentioned that first, Caleb and Spencer, they're like they hug each other, super happy. They got in, you know. Right. And then they watch that first video, and it kind of slowly dawns on them that they're watching videos of a dead girl. Yeah. And then when Maya is just like, "If you're looking for me, beware. The site is cursed." Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like, you know, like it's not fun anymore. They're just like, "Oh." Like, I mean, not only is it Maya, who's horrible, but, you know, it's they've just stumbled onto uh, a dead girl's memoirs, I guess you'd say. I wanted the scene like they're both staring dead faced at the, the the laptop screen and Spencer's like, you know how we kind of had a moment there? Mm-hmm. Murdered in its tracks. Yeah, really? Thanks to Maya. So like, you can go back to Hannah now, I guess. Yeah, I'm done with you. Um, So... We later see a video on my MySpace of Emily eating ice cream. You know, it's obviously filmed by Maya. It's just Emily being cutesy of her girlfriend. Um, then we realize that we're current, present day, in Spencer's room with Arya, Spencer, and Hannah as they watch the videos. Mm-hmm. Arya doesn't think they should be watching these. Arya's, kinda, Arya's like, you know, we should not be watching this. Arya wants to go be like, look out in the door again. <laughs> that, that suits her. Um, <laughs> so she can say things like, yeah, it sure is. And then shoot someone in the head. Yeah. Spencer points out that there's hundreds of videos here and you don't know what they are until you watch them. Um, and that the site is all jumbled up, much like fucking Maya it's, herself. Sounds like the worst like investigative project ever is having to watch all those videos. Seriously. Um, so oh. Hannah points out, this is a genuine article, and that Mona gave them something real. And Arya's like, how? And Spencer's like, why? Yeah, and Hannah's like, well, it's to help us somehow, you know. Yeah. And we find out Caleb didn't watch anything else after he saw what these were. So that information's locked down. And they watch another video, and it's like Maya's like under a sheet, like recording mm-hmm. from her camera or phone or her computer or whatever. And she says, I think Emily has a very old soul. I feel it when I kiss her. It's you can hear clocks it all over the world running backwards. And then Spencer's just like creeped out, turns it off. Like, Ugh. She's yeah. like, no, 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 I'm not creeped out because she's dead, but because she's so incredibly lame. Yeah, so Hannah makes them watch one more. And this one, it's Maya by the side of the road saying that she's a coward. And, and that she, she has says, to face I'm her such fears. a coward. I know that. I have to face my fears. 
I can't hide forever. I can't keep being afraid. And then she kind of like looks up off camera, like concerned, and then like cut away. Yeah. Um. So Spencer tries to call Emily again. This time Emily's phone is on, but it just rings. So we cut to Paige's backyard where we see Emily's phone like illuminated through her jacket pocket where it's just like hanging over a chair. And Emily and Paige are basically doing synchronized laps in the pool, which is one of the weirdest metaphors. What I wrote down is they're doing synchronized lesbian swimming in the pool. Yeah, but it, like they're like swimming like while making perpetual eye contact. It's synchronized. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's they stroke together like eye contact, smiling, stroke, stroke. Um, lesbian like, swimming. Is this like lesbian tantric foreplay? I wonder. Is this like I don't know. The it was the network going to give them shit if they did a scene or something? So that like this is what they put instead. You know? Yeah. They're so, like this basically means sex, guys. Yeah. Well, and plus, you know that somebody in the show fucking loves their swimming shots. So, yeah, maybe that was it. So I imagine maybe like some cinematographer or somebody was like, please, God, put Emily back of Paige. She's a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, so Swim- Gold- Swimming's a metaphor for sex. Yeah. Santa Gold starts playing and we get the A tag, which is uh, some money being put into a counting machine. And we see the uh, A is basically picking up like a large sum of cash, like on a money 50, order or 50 something. Grand. Yeah, it's five stacks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so the clerk's voice just says, just looking at you in that hoodie makes me shiver. So, summer is really over, huh? Yeah, and, and A puts some money in one of those little zippered money bags that the banks have, and then takes a mint. Yeah, it takes a That's the A tag. Um, and then, then there's next week's episode. Yeah, you love next week's episode. I'm trying to remember there's something I wanted to comment on in this episode. Um... The Spencer Caleb stuff, I it 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 would have been a bad idea to think I think to actually put them together. Right. Um, I mean, one of the things I like about the show is it's not the like show about like stealing boyfriends and two timing and that sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. Like that that doesn't exist in these girls' universe. They'll they're never gonna do that to each other. You know. And it just it would have taken too many episodes to make that okay. Exactly. You know. I mean, the only way it would ever, like, you would have to have someone, like, dating someone else and totally happy and, like, right for somebody to, like, discover they have a secret past of somebody they never knew about. I mean, the the groundwork they'd have to lay to make that okay on this show. Not necessarily for any show, but on this show, it's, like, it's against the rules of the show. Right. You know, it's, it's very much a Sisters First kind of show. Um. So, Ezra's mom is played by Mary Page Keller, who's basically a TV veteran. I mean, she's been on a shit ton of stuff. No. Yeah, I mean, she's always on a show for a season or guest starring on this or, you know. In, in case you've ever wondered, and I'm sure that you have, Nate St. Germain is played by a guy named Sterling Suleiman. I just saw that. I've never actually bothered to look up the actor's name. Uh, he, according to the, the wiki, he's most known for his role in All My Children, which makes sense. Let's see. Anything in the notes here? <laughs> I did like that we got another scene of Ari and Spencer going over like the like autopsy or medical reports. Yeah. Like those scenes just work. It made me think of uh the shot when they're dressed up as a candy striper. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's the you know, another time they've done that. Yeah, it's same it's a callback to that. Yeah, I love it. Um, but yeah, this is a fun episode. It took us a while to do our notes on this because we're a little out of practice after two weeks, but also because there's just a lot to absorb here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was Stolen Kisses. Next week is the con game. Uh, and that's spelled K-A-H-N. 
Uh-huh. So, you know, get your boners ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, we've got some other house clean. You know, we didn't podcast last week, so I didn't get a chance to talk about it. Uh, I finished the video I was working on. Yes. It's a kind of recap of seasons one through four. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're listening to this, it's probably at least Wednesday. So PLL S1 or S5E1 just aired last night. Fifth season starts right now as I record this. Mm-hmm. So we did a recap of seasons one through four set to Ennio Morricone's The Ecstasy of Gold. It is, if I could say, pretty excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell them where they can find it. You can find it on the YouTubes. Or you, well, I don't know. How can they find it? I tweeted the link to it. If you go to time trial murder mystery slash blog, you can find a link to it there. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. Where else can you find this? Broswatchpll2.tumber.com. Can you find it there? Okay. Mm-hmm. Or you could just, find if it you follow, there. if you follow us on Twitter, I'm Benjamin underscore light. I've been tr- tweeting it at various cast members trying to get them to notice it. I don't think any of them have. <laughs> they're playing it cool for now if all of you three or four listeners would like to tweet at them as well with the link to the video i would love it if anyone from the show watched it um, but just just pass the video around get the word out it's it's not just about tooting benjamin light's horn though you should but uh it's it's an excellent quality piece of video and it's 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 a perfect time for this video with the show coming back, it's a, it's a nice yeah. celebration of all the the wonderful madness that is PLL. If you needed to brush up on PLL before season five, this is the video to watch. Yeah, exactly. Although I do regret there's not much Ren in this video. Uh, I had to cut so much out of it when I was making it, and Ren only has like one line, I think. Mm. But yeah, I find it. Oh, we- it it should be mentioned. This, like we said, this is one through four, so. On the show here, we're we're not giving spoilers out. We're doing it episode by episode until we catch up. But this video has everything except for season five premiere in it. So, right. Uh, if you're following along with our podcast and you haven't watched season four yet, don't watch it. Yeah, or stop three minutes in or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm sure we'd love to hear your feedback and everything. Yeah, it's called Pretty Little Liars: The Ecstasy of Gold. If you want to search for it that way on YouTube. Uh. Uh, thanks, we did get another review in iTunes, so thanks to the person who did that. I don't have their name up right now, but thank you. <laughs> we're 7 out of 7, all 5-star ratings, so I'm going to go ahead and say once again that we're the highest-rated PLL podcast. I think the the comment is just something like, this is the best podcast, or this is the best PLL podcast, so I'll take it. And we will be back next time to talk about the con game. Can't wait. Bye-bye. Bye.